Exactly. We all we all make it work. We all make it work. The we power of work. editing. The power yes. of editing means that this will be seamless. No one exactly. will have to know. <laughs> <laughs> A seamless conversation. No one. No one. That's what we say no now. Gonna, no one's and then I'm going to be sitting on Adobe Audition and go, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Meh. Smash all together. It's fine. You know what? It can make. We were talking about. It can make it relatable. You know. Exactly. I, actually, exactly. I love yeah. I like when people leave stuff like that in in a in a YouTube video. I'll be watching like an hour long YouTube video, and in the middle of it, it'll cut, and it'll be them like trying to like wrangle their dog for a minute, and like, <laughs> they've clearly yeah. intentionally left that in because it's relatable and it's humanizing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do love a good blooper. A, a good blooper just makes everything so much better. Yeah, yeah. Speaking yeah. of relatable and like shitty quality, um, I like uh, the last in person podcast we recorded was with uh me and katie and kirsten and we uh we reserved one of the conference rooms in the big like office building where i work and it's this massive room with like glass and concrete and and stuff like that and so the acoustics are horrible in this room yeah i was and, gonna say it sounds like echo city in there yeah and so i almost didn't put that episode out i was like this this sounds terrible i don't even <laughs> want to put this out and then I got some feedback on it that um, they they liked how it sounded authentic. And I was like, authentic? It sounds like shit. And, <laughs> <laughs> but you never know what people are going to think about it. You know, I was just kind of like, I, I don't know. Hey, I, like you it, know, whatever. I, I was gunning for maximum authenticity when I was very hastily trying to record a video of myself inside a pyramid um like holding the phone up to my face because like they're you know normally i have like a little lav mic and i was just like now nah, we're you know just we, we're doing this live that's what we're doing and <laughs> uh i think the one thing i couldn't properly convey was uh the stank and the sweat but you know just again maximum authenticity <laughs> that's right <laughs> yep we strive for only the most authentic content. You've got some questions. Got it all. You're feeling stressed, man. Got it all. Put on your GPS and got it all. I'm dirt, dirt, something is glistening. Download and listen to Tia, Katie, Chris, and Houston. You should got it all. Yeah, so let's kick it off with a quick introduction. Um, I'm Chris Sims. Uh, pronouns he him. I'm the the normal host of the Go Dig a Hole podcast and. Uh, the other hosts uh, can't make it today, but I'm here joined um, with some very special guests. So uh, how about you introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Annalise Bear. Uh, pronouns are she, her, and uh, I I am me. I am chronically online and also make TV. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm I'm Bill Farley, uh, uh, he, him, and uh, I'm... Again, yeah, an archaeologist. I work in in New England primarily, but I also like to make YouTube videos and uh, and and be on Twitter too much and that sort of thing. So, so I think that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of discussions uh, amongst the again chronically online. <laughs> yes, that's <laughs> sometimes I call it terminally online. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's how it feels lately. Um, yeah, so on the most recent episode of the Go Dig a Hole podcast, I had Paulina Pristipa on, and we talked about some of the other social media. We talked about Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, kind of chatted about Mastodon a little bit, 
And um, yeah, it was like we recorded it right after Elon Musk had bought Twitter and the implosion had started to happen. And I think it's been about a month since then. And we've seen Twitter and Elon Musk do some pretty dramatic things. And um, I don't know. Now it sounds like there might be a, a new head of, of Twitter in a very short amount of time. Hey, cyberbullying works. And yes, if we've learned anything Twitter... from this last month, <laughs> yes. that is that cyberbullying works. And honestly, <laughs> I will I will happily accept uh, either Snoop Dogg or uh, Tom Anderson from MySpace as the new oh, yeah. CEO of Twitter um, per the polls. That. So, you know, whoever actually wins the most votes from like the subsequent polls, I'd be fine with either of them. I think they have great... Yeah. Uh, uh, they've demonstrated great leadership uh, capabilities in the past and uh, have an excellent track record. Tom from MySpace has relevant experience. Exactly. Uh, he, you know, he, he he's he's a nice guy. Everybody seems to like him. Well, I, I yeah. don't know. Maybe he's, hopefully there's no skeletons in that closet. I don't know. He seems perfect. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> every so often, uh, I, either myself or someone else will be like, whatever happened to Tom from MySpace? And I go check and... He has taken his money and is minding his business. And I mean, love yeah, I, I love, love that it. journey for him, truly. Speaking <laughs> of MySpace, Tom, uh, today is National Emo Day. And <gasps> my time on MySpace was really dominated by, you know, like the two things, like the top eight and like if like really, really uh, thoroughly following a lot of emo and like post. Yeah, programs, the like so. emo and scene yeah. situation. Yeah. Oh, I was very, what a time. I was very, what a time. Yeah, I was very wannabe emo at that time. I had a live journal and I wrote a lot of quite Shout bad out poetry to live on journal. there. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of quite bad poetry and, uh, and, and, and AOL instant messenger and very, very yes. meticulously, meticulously designed away messages with, uh, yes. with, with, uh, fallout boy lyrics and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. So yes. yeah, but I, but, I, but you would never know it by seeing me in person. I looked very prep. I think if you saw me on the street, but in my, in my heart, I was emo. That was that. Exactly. Like, yeah, I was the same. And like in my heart, I, in, in my heart of hearts, very metal, um, you know, wanted to be way more metal and emo than I actually appeared on the outside, mostly because I don't think my mom would have let me buy those clothes at the mall or anything like that. So I had to make do. Um, but I met a lot of wonderful friends on MySpace. I'm still friends with them to this day. And uh, yeah, what a, oh, what a time, what a time to be alive. What a time, what a time. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i feel so old oh yes. man well annalise do you want to kick off with um you want to talk about tiktok so like you're you're sure, real active yes. on tiktok <laughs> i my foray into tiktok only started about a week ago i had long sworn that i would not get involved in tiktok i was like Same. no i don't want to invest Same. in any more social media yeah i'm done i'm just gonna slowly phase out of relevance and just you know like Go or like away. stick to Instagram because, you know, yeah. posting pictures is always nice. Um, totally. Yeah, no, very much the same. I was very much the same. Um, and I guess that's a wonderful natural segue. Um, and yeah, it was last year, I think last early summer last year that I hesitantly bit the bullet and acknowledged the fact that TikTok is currently the best and most used source for uh, not just young people, primarily young people, but also just people in general for gaining information and that it was a tool that was just sitting there waiting to be used 
for educational content and specifically content related to history and archaeology. Because as we all know, the internet is full of nonsense at the highest level uh, when it comes to people talking about ancient history mostly. So the, you know, ancient aliens and friends topics of, you know, Atlantis and like, oh my God, did you know? Insert incredibly untrue sentence about something historical here you know, ancient mystical things, all all of the, the greatest hits. And when I looked at TikTok and was fighting with myself internally, like, am I really going to do this? You know, am I, as someone who is well over the age of 35, going to willingly join this app that is mostly just children dancing and <laughs> influencers and nonsense? And I was just bombarded with really, really horrible, cheaply made you know, pseudoscience and pseudo-archaeology stuff that people were just eating up because there's no one there saying otherwise. And so, you know, I'm sure we're all well familiar with the abysmal state of the U.S. education system and how little historical anything gets taught to us in elementary school and high school beyond the usual cookie cutter stuff about, you know, the foundings of America and the happy pilgrims. And then, you know, maybe you learn about the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and then that's about it because America. So I saw an opportunity and I kind of had nothing better to do with my time because work was driving me insane. Started making some videos and apparently people like them. And that brings us to today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, uh, it's, it is a wild place. It is something that I would not recommend for people who are maybe a little bit more shy about being on the internet and about interacting with people on the internet because being on TikTok is getting a full unfiltered like punch in the face of internet. It is humans and the internet completely unfiltered coming directly at you. There are no safeguards like there are on Twitter for example where you can filter out um, interactions or tweets from people with, you know, no username, uh, you know, like a default numbers username and no user picture, you know, low quality accounts and stuff like that. You can't filter any of that out. And so everybody comes in to TikTok. You get notifications for everything. I mean, not push notifications because I'm not insane. Um, those get turned off immediately. But <laughs> as soon as you open the app, it's just like notification notifications. And you see all of the comments. You cannot uh, mute uh, comments on a video, for example, like you could on a like viral tweet. So I'm getting comments on things that are like months, months and months old because people are seeing them for the first time and they're commenting and you know they're liking it and stuff like that, which is fine until you just start getting you know the the weirdos and all the trolls and the reply guys and stuff like that so you have to see all of it and i have to self-moderate all of it so it's an adventure every day is an adventure on that app oh man <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so weird and i mean the good news is uh i guess on the positive end for uh, comments that help me gauge the, I guess, the success and the reach of the content that I'm mm -hmm. sharing, uh, the videos, um, people are excited. They're excited. They're curious. They're enthusiastic. And, you know, this is a great way to sort of gauge the temperature of the incredibly general public about ancient history and archaeology and stuff like that. It's like people are deeply curious about 
who we are and what we do and how we know what we do and why and everything, they kind of just don't know how and where to get that information. So for a lot of people, this is the very first time that they're encountering actual historical information that's coming to them from a person and not from the television or, you know, even a book, for example, I get people asking for book recommendations and podcast recommendations all the time because people want to know they they're endlessly fascinated about history. And so they want to learn about it. But the unfortunate thing is, and I, you know, I say this all the time that the the good information, the real information is paywalled and the pseudoscience is free. So that's usually what they encounter mm. first. And that's, I think the main reason why I continue the daily fight with TikTok is to put information out for free so people can have it and know where to go for resources and things that they're interested in. And they won't fall into the trap of simply Googling something. And of course, the things with the best um, SEO and, you know, just highest Google ratings or whatever are, you know, websites like Ancient Origins that will just re lead them down the path into pseudoscience land and then the next thing you know someone's paying five hundred dollars to see like graham hancock speak on absolutely nonsense <laughs> it's like the pipeline oh. is clear it's a clear pipeline it is yeah bill you probably have a similar experience with youtube you want to talk about your your youtube channel yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I'll, I'll start by saying I, when we just jumped on the call, I immediately starstruck by Annalise, who's much bigger on TikTok than I am on oh YouTube. Oh my god! No. Uh, but, 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 you know. And who, I have a TikTok and I throw some stuff on TikTok, but I haven't engaged with it as much. I've primarily been working in YouTube. I have this channel called uh, Archaeology Tube. I recently rebranded it a little bit and was very small until recently, in which I've had some rather large growth in the last few weeks uh, because of some things I maybe we'll talk about in a little while. Uh, so suddenly I'm experiencing a lot of the things you were just talking about, Annalise, like I never had the problem of, oh, too many notifications. That was never an issue for me before because yeah. it was small. I had a thousand subscribers and it was, you know, I'd get up some comments and 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 now I'm now I'm getting whoo unhinged stuff. Oh uh, my and goodness. YouTube does have more uh controls. You can mute people and you do have a little bit more control, I think, than TikTok does, but not a lot, not as much as say a Twitter does. Uh so it's it is a little bit harder to filter that stuff out. But it's kind of crazy to think uh, that uh, YouTube is the legacy media here compared to TikTok, which is the new kid on the black. YouTube has been around for for a couple of decades now, and there are these really established ways of doing things. But it's also been in interrupted a little bit by TikTok. And you can see how it's changed a little bit in the last year or two since TikTok came onto the scene and pushing that. But I, I got really into doing YouTube from other directions, actually, like during the pandemic, when I was just looking for some way to express myself and just like everybody, right? How many of us, I don't know, we took up pottery or we took up uh, baking or sou sourdough loaves. <laughs> My thing was I was going to start a YouTube channel. And so I started this YouTube channel primarily at first looking at the intersection of um, archaeology and, and video games, still something that I'm making videos about uh, and I want to continue making videos about, but I've changed the channel a little bit to do more. I think like what you've done mostly on your TikTok, uh, Annalise, which is just sort of straight up, here's what archaeology is, here's what it is for real, speaking back against 
pseudo-archaeology, which is similarly huge. The good, the really good archaeology channels on YouTube will have 100,000 subscribers. The worst pseudo-archaeology channels on YouTube will have a million or two million. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're 10 times as big. So there's it's the same problem. There's way more noise coming from those places than there are from people who are earnestly trying to create uh, content that's really meaningful. So I'm trying to join that space. And interestingly, there's some great voices doing that on YouTube, but almost none of them, very few of them are traditional archaeologists. There are people who similarly are just kind of interested in archaeology and are maybe more from backgrounds like in filmmaking or something like that. They have or they come from media spaces and they just thought archaeology was cool. There's not a lot of voices of people who are trained archaeologists. And that's not to knock those folks who are are coming from those places. I think they're doing amazing work. But there is a space for people who really have a ton of training in archaeology to say something um, unique in that space. So and and speak against some of that pseudo archaeology. So maybe that's a theme that's emerging here is the 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 battle that's happening in these new media over, um, you know, it used to be not to talk about Graham Hancock. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about Graham Hancock. Today, yeah, we're going to talk about he's, uh, addressed. he's coming up. Right. But yeah. he's been writing books for decades and we could write and, you know, he'd have a book come out and somebody would write an op ed about it and and uh, and it would get talked about. Now he's on Netflix. Now he's got the number, number, whatever, one or two documentary, quote unquote, in the world and being watched by millions of people. And he's on Joe Rogan experience being listened to by millions of people. How do we compete with that? Nobody is going to give us that sort of we've seen this. Oh, who's going to debate him on Joe Rogan? He nobody was ever going to debate him on Joe Rogan. It was never going to happen. Nobody was ever going to give real archaeologists that platform. We kind of have to make those platforms for ourselves. And TikTok and YouTube are places where that can happen if you put out a good product and you get a little bit lucky i think uh and uh and so yeah i think that's what we're trying to do i think that's the goal yeah pretty much and as as i've said on twitter a number of times because that uh the the, the twitter community at large is where i have somehow managed to have <laughs> create a global network of fellow archaeologists that i love and adore it's amazing mm. and I think the last, I think it was, you know, a couple of weeks ago when sort of we were in the height of the uh, immediate response to Ancient Apocalypse mm -hmm. on Netflix and Graham Hancock fully on his bullshit um, that uh, I, you know, was saying something about how it's, you know, really important and, you know, necessary for anybody who is interested, any archaeologist out there who is interested in, um you know, having more of a presence in in the media world, you know, ideally on social media, so we can just like have more faces out there, just like do it, please, please do it. Like, you know, there are, um, there's a significant list of warnings and things to be aware of as you engage with these sorts of things. But if you're interested in doing it, please do it. Because for, it's exactly like you said, the, the most popular pseudoscience accounts on YouTube, TikTok, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram that just sort of like shove out um, really cheap, quickly made, uh, you know, did you know type of content. Um, millions, millions and millions of subscribers, whereas mm -hmm. uh, accounts that are run by actual archaeologists and sometimes, you know, usually history buffs have like a, a leg up on us actual archaeologists. Like, you know, it's pseudoscience accounts history buff accounts, just generic history. And then somewhere towards the bottom, it's actual archaeologists. We're, 
you know, <laughs> we hardly get eyeballs on us because those other accounts are so big and, uh, you know, big and bright and loud. And, you know, usually, at least for the history buff accounts, there's usually some pretty slick production that goes into them. And uh, as someone who works in television production, uh, I commend that, like for the people who have the time and the energy and the resources to actually sit down and create and edit and produce a slick YouTube video, well done. All the more power to you because uh, since I deal with all that for work, unless I'm getting paid to edit a video, I'm not editing anything. And that's one of the reasons why I love TikTok, which is I can do it in, you know, five, 10 minutes. There's some in-app uh, features for editing videos that I can just do on the fly if I need to trim something or put, you know, take, you know, get rid of an outtake or a flub a line or something like that. I can easily get rid of it, post it and move on with my day. Um, because yeah, I ain't getting paid for this. Yeah. It's, it's YouTube is, uh, it's so the, the, the place where I was really inspired to make stuff on YouTube didn't actually come from archaeology YouTube. I didn't even really know there was an archaeology YouTube and I didn't know archaeo gaming was a thing either yeah. until I started doing it, but it was more it from, now. yeah, it is, it is. And there, and there's, and there's, there are people who were already in that space and making wonderful stuff, but I was mostly inspired by people who I knew on YouTube who were, who were speaking to your point about production values, making just incredible multi-hour long PBS style documentaries about some 20 year old video game you never heard of or some tv show from the 90s and contextualizing it and putting it in its historical context and and culturally analyzing it doing what i would call great scholarship and great media production simultaneously and these were one person or maybe a person who had gotten to the size where they could hire an editor to help them but they were a small shop right making this stuff and i fell in love with that and so if any of you have watched my videos from the last couple of weeks the ones that have been really popular those are just me sitting in front of a camera, basically a long TikTok video, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I what I have been playing around with this idea. So I've spent probably a thousand hours in the last year teaching myself to edit videos to make videos that are quite slick. And those videos have you know two hundred views. Yeah, which is, exactly. Which it's is, always the ones that you spend yeah. time and effort, put blood, sweat, oh, yeah. and tears into. It's like meh, two hundred. Yeah, go, so if you if you find my channel, go back and watch those. <laughs> no, literally one of the most popular things I've ever posted on TikTok is a video that I made on a whim one morning, like before I had even really finished my coffee. I was like, I don't know, this seems silly. Million oh, yeah. views later. It's just like, oh yeah, what? Exactly. <laughs> what, or right? the, a, a throwaway video I did yesterday about, you know, to tie in with the Barbie movie, because I saw uh, Jens on um on Twitter post about, you know, like, oh, ancient dolls. I was like, hey, that's cool. I can do like a, a photo or two of ancient dolls. It's, I it, I think it's at like 96,000 right now. Ooh, like, that's a lot. Oh my God. Meanwhile, <laughs> the book post that I posted today recommending a book that I was super excited about, like, I, I don't even think like a thousand people have seen it. Yeah. And it's like, these are the same people that are regularly coming and being like, what are some book recommendations? Like, tell me what books to buy. And I was like, when I do have a book, it's like, buy this book. Like crickets. That that balance pressure of of tr of chasing the SEO, you know, the search mm -hmm. engine optimization, which is you know sort of that uh, using that as a catch-all term for whatever, trying to work the algorithm, the algorithm. trying to <laughs> yeah, trying to make something that's going to be popular respond to something that's big against the what is our more I think 
natural inclination as scholars, as academics, or, or as archaeologists to not do that, right? Yeah. To put in the work of the slow analysis and publishing on something, you know, the way we, like if you were going to write a journal article, right? You're not chasing the hottest topic. You are spending years excavating and analyzing and data crunching and writing and research and literature review all to put together this paper that says something immaculate. The pressure in YouTube and TikTok and places like that is fast reaction, get something done, mm -hmm. say something cool about the big ticket item. Uh, and those two pressures are just diametrically opposed. Absolutely. Uh, and, Absolutely. and that's, yeah. that's actually one of the biggest uh, things that I encounter on uh, a daily basis. Well, not right now because I'm in between shows, um, but in, in the TV world that just, you know, oil and water opposition of the academic world and how history and historical information actually functions and the world of television and television production, it, it is truly oil and water. And I am, I found myself in a weird liminal zone um, between the two, trying to explain the ways of one to the other so that we can kind of try to find somewhere to meet in the middle because, uh, and, TV production and uh, short form video production for things like TikTok um, are in the same camp, which is that, you know, for TikTok especially, you have three minutes at absolute <clears throat> most to say what you need to say. So you need to be concise. It needs to be clear. There is no room for subtext or nuance because if you think you're being clear, I guarantee you are not because someone will come in the comments and be like, well, what about this? Or I thought you meant this. And like, what? How how did I not make myself clear? And uh, so that's been a learning experience for me, especially in TikTok, is learning to sort of distill things even farther than I would for TV and, say, translating a deeply nuanced, um, complicated topic or subject, uh, usually maybe something relating to the Bronze Age, for example, into two sentences of narration for someone to read so that it goes on television so that anyone anywhere can understand what's happening. It's just like, not only does it make your brain melt, but it's, it is, it is tough. And so that's one of the things that I think is very interesting and that both, both ends of the spectrum, both the academic world, the archeology span world and the television world could do from just communicating <laughs> just <laughs> communicating better to like get everybody on the same page so that the information that each end is trying to communicate gets communicated correctly and everybody goes home happy at the end of the day that's all i got yeah, yeah. We, just, we just we just we just we just we're i think we're trying to make your job easy chris we're just going we're just kind of going at it but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also my dogs keep barking so i'm trying to stay muted while they're barking and i'm, I'm just like keep going please keep going they're barking <laughs> still. a dog like a dog tail leave the room and it's like oh, puppies yeah. uh let's see what else can i do um uh that said uh the the fun skills that i've picked up from my tv job that i have not yet applied to uh, TikTok or uh, the social media job is the ability to write narration in someone else's voice. Um, and it's one of those things where it it takes a minute, but once you once you find it, it's really easy. So for example, it, it would take me a minute, but I, I could still write something in uh, Ancient Aliens 
style. Um, that one's very easy to do. Um, and then uh, I learned how to write things in Morgan Freeman's voice, which is always fun because no matter what you say, it's going to sound like profound and yeah. that's great. And then uh, I recently had to relearn how to write in history channel uh for another job so that was uh that again it's always fun it takes it takes a minute to just like get just sort of get the puzzle pieces aligned but then once you find that voice it's very easy to write uh narration that way so it's a lot of fun that's such an interesting point to bring up because i know that i know this is true on probably tiktok too and certainly on youtube that a, a lot of most of the personalities in these spaces they are they're personality driven right there mm -hmm. is i think that most most accounts in all spaces who are making content create some of it is a character right if you're mm -hmm. if your channel is this is me talking to you you are stepping into a character sometimes when you step into that and that character is of course going to be mostly yourself but some of it is invented for that space um and so that is a you know if the goal of today's episode i think is maybe to speak to people about what's interesting about trying to create content in these spaces um that's something to consider. What is your voice going to sound like? Are you going to be yourself, your authentic self, or as close to it as you possibly can? Or are you going to try and portray a character who is similar to yourself or maybe not so similar to yourself? You know, some people don't. They just make up a, they truly make up a character. And if you met them on the street, they would seem like a totally different person. Uh, and that's weird, right? We are writing for ourselves even though we are attempting to be authentic in that space and that is an i, I know i've heard a lot of youtubers not so much in the archaeology space but other spaces talk about that being a, kind of an anxiety-ridden thing to do to inhabit that and to have a parasocial relationship as you get bigger and you start yeah. having fans you know you start having people who who uh who who know you primarily as a person on a youtube video a person on a tiktok video um and not as who, who you are or a person in twitter threads or something right uh and 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 then to interact with those people and uh and try and make it clear to them like well that person in the video isn't entirely me i might be a little bit different than that right so that's a yeah that's that's a that's that's an exact that's a tension that's a tension too yeah yeah and i think that that is interesting because one of the things i um i tell people uh who might be uh vaguely or very interested in you know maybe doing stuff on instagram or tiktok or something like that is literally just be yourself because that thing that makes you interesting that draws your friends to you and stuff like that that's going to be the thing that gets other people to also like you. Um, and that, you know, I, I, because I see a lot of um, examples of academic folks making their first sort of baby steps onto social media and being, you know, in front of the camera and doing more just video stuff in general. And everyone, for them, uh, sometimes it takes a bit for people to relax a little bit, but for a lot of the times people still look and present themselves, you know, very, very stiff, very formally, uh, you know, in teacher mode. And the one thing that social media is not is a classroom. Like it's you, we're here to, yes. we're here to see and hear from you as the, as the person, as an individual. And as far as the presence of archeologists on social media is concerned, I think that's essential because it humanizes us and the profession and it shows the general public that archaeologists are not um well you know not everybody but but for the most part most of us are not you know stuffy academic ivory tower caricatures like you would see in 
a movie or a TV show where the field is portrayed totally incorrectly. Um, but it's like, we're people, we're people. We have, you know, we, we have quirks, we have interests, we have things that we like. And honestly, just like, just being your authentic self is going to be the, the thing, the little spark that allows other people to connect with you and whatever it is you're sharing. Yeah, yeah. that's really important. Like there's so many good points there about like understanding your audience and understanding um, like the voice that connects with very multiple audiences. And then also like, how do you make content that is, um, I don't know, like shareable, like, you know, you need it to be able to survive the algorithm, but like, you also need to have content that's like one meaningful and accurate and two, um, you know, it connects with people. And so, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. There's so many variables that go into that, uh, including like what character you are. And, you know, like if somebody catches you at the end of a conference and you're just very exhausted, uh, you know, like, is that your character? Or are you going to struggle to like turn that on? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, that's really neat. Um, I had some thoughts and then I just totally brain farted on that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, no, my thought was, um, so like be- between all of the various platforms that we have at our disposal, you know, what both of you are doing is, uh, you know, it's, it's various flavors of public archaeology, you know, you're doing uh, public outreach, advocacy, education, um, you're also, uh, you know, putting topics that you have spent a lot of time researching into, you know, easily digestible content uh, that, you know, that people can, you know, listen to while they're on the bus or something, you know, it's, it's like, it's very digestible, but um, you know, in terms of all the platforms that we have at our disposal, where do you see kind of public archeology span going in kind of at large, like in terms of where's the most effective place for people who want to be involved in public archaeology, where should they be investing their energy? I'd say at this point, either TikTok or Instagram. Instagram, if you are interested in uh, sharing more uh, photos and uh, static images, maybe some videos, um, and then TikTok, if you're interested in sharing uh, short form videos, and what I would love to see and what I'm hoping to actually do for real uh, in person, me, is next year, assuming everything goes well and we get, get all of our permits and permissions handled, is to take all of this out into the field and give it a test drive and do little short videos from, you know, from site every day, obviously share what is shareable and, you know, maybe do some longer, more official type videos uh, once there is more abundant Wi-Fi and show people how things work in real time. I mean, we've seen some really excellent uh, social media work from, uh, you know, a little bit from Time Team. We've seen a good amount from Dig Ventures on their uh, Twitter and Mm -hmm. their Instagram. Again, like photos of, you know, people on site, people digging, cool discoveries made that day. And then obviously Instagram gives you the caption space to talk about what people are seeing in the photos. And I think that's really helpful. uh, oh gosh, Must Farm on Twitter is one, and uh, Secrets from the Ice, those are two accounts that I absolutely adore, and they do a phenomenal job of tweeting and posting 
from site in the field during field season and sharing things almost in real time with you know their large Twitter audience. And so I'd love to see more of that on, I guess, whatever platform ends up being the successor to Twitter. And for people who are a little bit more uh, social media savvy, I would love to see more short form field content on things like uh, TikTok and Instagram, because people people want to see what we do. And of course, I know the biggest issue for many of us is what, when we are out in the field, that is where the cell signal and the Wi-Fi is not. So actually making videos in a timely manner out in the field is a bit tricky. But I... I'm going to I'm going to give it a try in April again, fingers and toes crossed if everything goes well and just show people, you know, a little rectangular window into the world of archaeology and show what we actually do. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of luck with similar things like that doing method type videos where it is just, OK, I'm going to take a recording of myself cleaning artifacts and talking about artifacts. People seem to love that sort of thing. Or I did, you know, I have the advantage I work. I work locally in the United States where I live. I do uh, uh, sort of local community archaeology. So that means I do generally have easy Internet access where I'm working and uh, and and did do that, did a lot of photos right in the field and pictures of students and, uh, and interactions. And I'm basically just sharing that on places like Twitter, uh, which Twitter, of course, has a place. It's a it's a good place where. It's the place where archaeologists are talking to each other, and that's mm -hmm. valuable. And I think that there's a little bit with Twitter sort of collapsing, if that does in fact happen, where do we go from here is a challenge. But I agree very much that where we can actually reach the public is almost certainly not on Twitter. It's probably going to be, or Facebook, it's probably going to be on uh on tiktok on instagram on uh you know i'll i'll, I'll throw in a i'll throw in a, in a curveball for youtube and youtube has youtube shorts now to try and compete with tiktok and so those two those platforms that are more visual that are more uh, that that's where people are going and not just young people people of all ages i think are moving into these places that have people like video we older folks joke you know complain about oh i just want a recipe that tells me the steps i don't want to watch a video of somebody yeah. making it. but obviously those videos are massively popular for a reason people love that uh and so yeah get yourself into that visual medium as much as possible whether that's photographs videos learn how to do some real simple like you were saying before ali's on tiktok yeah you don't need youtube you kind of need like editing software it's kind of a whole thing tiktok in YouTube shorts too, you can take a video with your phone, make sure it's in vertical orientation and, yeah. and mm -hmm. upload it. And it's got all the tools you need to add text or cut it in just the ways. And, and that's what like 99% of videos on TikTok are, even the ones that have 5 million views. So uh, you yeah, can, exactly. yeah, it's like the it's, robust it's nice. free editing tools are in TikTok. I mean, Instagram has some of that are okay, but I've been really impressed with the ones on TikTok and it's like, yeah, you can, you can do a lot. That's what dragged me to TikTok was like, my wife was like, Hey, you know, your bike videos are going to get way more traffic on TikTok than they will on Instagram. And mm -hmm. I was like, really? Mm -hmm. And so I just like on a whim got out there and put one on and like within minutes, it was like 300 views. And I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah I'm zero still, I'm followers still... and hundreds of views okay yeah <laughs> like, TikTok will actually people? show your stuff man yeah, yeah. i don't know it's bananas i mean i after yesterday i thought i had beat the algorithm i was like oh look at me i'm back after like a month and a half of like weenie views and now it's like oh just kidding the the algorithm 
Oh, is... that's th- that's actually a good point. Maybe yeah. to yeah, to get in there is th- this whole game comes with some. You can't get like too invested. I don't know. No, it's, yeah, do like, not yeah. invest your. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you can you can get you can work really hard on something. You have to make sure what you're doing, you have some passion for, especially if you want to do stuff that does take a lot of time and effort for what I found on YouTube, making some videos that have taken me like hundreds of hours to produce. I was really proud of those as like pieces of art, not to be up in my own ass, but you know, like they're like, I was proud of them, right? Like as something that I made that I yeah, thought was meaningful. Yeah, it was meaningful and it was, and it, and it had myself in it and yeah, okay. It's now six months later and it has 475 views. Yeah. Uh, who cares? Right. And then this other video, yeah, that I made in an hour has, has, has 25,000. Uh, so, okay. Uh, you just have to kind of, you have to That's be sort just of the okay way it is. That. Yeah. You have to yeah. be very, yeah. uh, very Zen about it and yep. yeah, do not invest uh too much of your 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 whole personal self uh ideally don't invest too much financial energy into this (laughs) as well because mm -mm. um yeah it's like do it because you love it and because you want to do it and yeah you know hopefully it will work out (laughs) on the the finances thing i found that you know so i'm lucky enough that i'm coming from an academic setting and as a as a professor i was able to basically i went up for tenure last year and i was able to convince the tenure committee that this counted as scholarship like i was like this is public cost scholarship and it's and and to be totally honest people like love that some of the people were eh, but others were well this is great you're really getting out there and reaching way more people than you would in a journal article and i was like absolutely Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. try and let those advantages if you have them uh, to, to help you do this sort of stuff. Hey there, Chris here. I had to do a little um, audio editing. So you get a nice little musical interlude here where I'm going to pitch our Patreon. Um, if you dig what we're doing on the Go Dig a Hole podcast, and you want to throw us a little extra change um, think of it as like a little tip jar um, you can go to patreon.com forward slash go dig a hole that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash go dig a hole um, we really appreciate all of the supporters both uh, present and past who have helped go dig a hole along the way and also everybody who has contributed as guests and co-hosts over the years uh it's been great and we'd like to keep it up so uh you know everything helps a lot and uh if you're not in a position to um you know support us on patreon uh you know just liking and sharing and spreading word of mouth helps too anyway uh enjoy a little bit uh music and uh we'll finish the show now I like the, uh, the the classic, you know, on on a couch with a with a with a with a selfie stick. That's a, that's always a classic. Oh, uh, that's a good one. See, I yeah. I'm a fan of holding the phone in front of my face at a good <laughs> angle and just hoping that the natural daylight works. Yes, <laughs> in, Instagram angles where you're up here. Yeah, like, not yeah. Instagram angles, but just like you know, it's like okay, where's the light? Because I legitimately this this is my little world this is our guest room slash office and my day is spent in front of this laptop right here and i do the little tiktok videos you know when when the spirit comes upon me and uh <laughs> or if something exciting happens <laughs> um, but uh 
you know, I, I try to aim for like <clears throat> five to maybe 30 minutes maximum if something needs a little extra research or a little extra thought, or if I'm just having one of those days when the ADHD is just running on max and words. <laughs> what are they? Why are they? Where? Where did they go? And sometimes it's a little bit of a struggle. But um, yeah, that's that's my production value because I because, yeah, again, maximum authenticity. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back to a point that y'all made about, um, you know, kind of the different platforms that are available. And, you know, there's the platforms that are useful for public archaeology. And then there's the platforms that are useful for connecting with other archaeologists. And, you know, like if, if Twitter implodes, then we have to figure something else out. I think a lot of people have been moving to Mastodon. Yeah. There's various Discord servers that exist. Um, Go Dig a Hole is one of them. And like the Go Dig a Hole Discord server, I have no idea what to do with it, really. Like, um, I've seen Discord servers that are very, very well moderated. You know, there's a lot of bots that can um, set like roles and responsibilities and whatever features you want to unlock. You can opt in or opt out of various things. But it's also like, I don't know, there's like four people that are ever active on the Google thing. <laughs> so it's like, it's kind of, I've, I've taken this like, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it kind of approach. But, um, you know, it's like, I don't know, if, if archaeologists want to join it, they can. Um, but it's also like I, I don't know what value I can really offer in that space. So I don't know. Yeah, um, that that is a that is the question. Uh, again, assuming the the end days of Twitter are finally for real this time upon us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe this time. Uh, it does seem like a lot of people have moved to Mastodon. I'm still on the fence about it. Just because it's, you know, it's weird. Um, yeah. And, you know, as a millennial, it's like, oh, great. You know, choosing another social media platform to move to. Oh, here we go again. And <laughs> I don't want to learn another one. <laughs> I know. It's like, yeah. man, I already did this. I, I already learned TikTok. Like, that's enough. I'm good. Yeah. And yeah. even then, I, I still find myself realizing, oh, there are things I haven't even seen, stuff I haven't even, you know, bothered using most of the time because I just don't need it. But uh whatever paulina yeah, had like, a good point about mastodon on the last episode we did where uh, i think she said something to the effect of uh mastodon is like not user friendly and sucks to use of course archaeologists would go to that oh my god yeah. <laughs> it's you know we we were talking yeah we were we were talking earlier about this long history of 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 the, the deep history, if you will, of uh, the ancient history, the antiquity of of social media yes. and all of us elder elder millennials going yes. back. And uh, I had a YouTube, I mean, not a YouTube, excuse me. I had a MySpace and then I had one of the earliest Facebook accounts because I was at a university in New England, like a month oh, yes. after Okay, Zuckerberg. so you had the proximity thing. I was a yep. late adopter to Facebook because I, I think it hit, I was uh, in... California. So I was on the West Coast. So it took a little bit to migrate across the country. And I think mm -hmm. I I was a late adopter. And I think I got on there like mid 2007, like right before yeah. I graduated. 
Oh yeah, I was on there in 04, which I believe is, the, I think that's the year that it opened, which was my freshman year of college at, when well, I'm wearing a Yukon sweatshirt right now, you, uh, in this in this audio medium. Uh, that's where I did my, that's where I did my, my undergrad. And, uh, and and that's, you know, yeah, we were right near Harvard, which is where right. it started. So you so. guys were just right there. And it was this crazy, it was only had to have a .edu account, so it was yeah. only college students. Right, and which then, is how it should have stayed, and I will just die on that stayed. hill. Like, I it, agree. The minute they started letting parents and then companies on, it just... Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So we've watched, we've, we're all of the generation. We have seen this story before. We have mm-hmm. seen these companies come and go. And all I was this never has happened before. And all of this yeah. will happen again. <laughs> Absolutely. I was never on <laughs> Tumblr. I didn't have, I wasn't on social media like at all for many years, which was good for my mental health. Uh, but so I never had a Tumblr account, <laughs> but I know a lot of people who are there for the rise and fall of Tumblr. And maybe that's happening with Twitter now, but I do think this is a, I don't want to call it a crisis, but I do think it's a problem is that there Twitter is unique in some ways, right? Mastodon is not Twitter by any means. Mastodon right. might be, neither is Discord, obviously, mm-hmm. right? These are places where we could go and find community of likewise archaeologists. And that was the original question, right? So maybe mm-hmm. Mastodon works for that. Maybe maybe there'll be some Discord that somebody will found that'll become archaeology Discord and we'll all be on there. And the, yeah, that's know. where everybody goes. Maybe. And maybe it'll be the Go Dig a Hole uh, uh, Discord. I don't know. Uh, it could it, it could be it could be any of them. Uh, but what, what we're going to lose with Twitter is that wider world approach, right? That was a place yeah. where we could talk to each other Truly and everybody else. Yeah. And, yeah. and everybody else and on Twitter, you do sort of stumble upon these weird communities. You know, you see a viral tweet that's from some other sphere of Twitter you've never heard of. And suddenly you're in furry geology Twitter or something, you know, and you're in like, and you're like, wow, this is an interesting place. There's some interesting people around here. I have learned things today. You're learning things, right? And that happens incidentally, you know, the archaeology Twitter is a thing. And we ended up talking to lots of people who weren't archaeologists. And it did end up being a place where you could have conversations like the ones we've been talking about today. Um, so I do, I don't know. They, that's a really long way of saying is I don't know what's going to happen if Twitter does in fact implode. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm of the same mind. And yeah, I, I also have no idea because, yeah, Twitter has ended up becoming something really interesting and unique and special for the global network of archaeologists. And, you know, I, I've i met people on Twitter that I never would have been able to meet otherwise. And it's incredible. Or the fact that I, I had a thing, a thing happen when I was, this is going to sound much more exciting than it actually was. Um, so the last time I was in Egypt was uh, in October, I think. And that was for that was for work. Um, it was fun work because I was in Egypt, but it was work. And I had gone to the Egyptian museum, had a couple hours, just sort of like, you know, ran around, saw some pretty shiny things, um, saw a papyrus scroll that I'd seen there the first time and could not find any information about this because of course it had no label. And so I had asked a, a little bit in, in some personal connections, nobody knew about it, anything about it. So finally I was just like, you know what, I'm going to ask Twitter. And so I tweeted just into the internet does anybody know anything about this papyrus scroll and i you know included a picture that i took of it and answers egyptologists came out of the woodwork people that i was not even friends with came (laughs) and they just brought information with them and a question was answered it's like i would not have been able to have done that otherwise and i thought that was pretty incredible yeah 
Yeah, I, I had very similar experiences just last summer. I, I only joined Twitter a year ago. And 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 so I came into it and it was very overwhelming. And it took me a long time to learn the landscape. But I very similarly met archaeologists from all over the world. People, not just archaeologists who work in other parts of the world, but archaeologists from other parts of the world. Yeah. Or, you know, Turkish archaeologists and Egyptian archaeologists and, and Chinese archaeologists, archaeologists from all over the world. And that is really exciting. And, I, and I've had similar experiences. Last summer, I did that every day. I'm a historical archaeologist and, you know, work on the colonial the uh, colonial interactions in, in New England. And so we, when you work in that kind of archaeology, you find a lot of metal weirdness because you're you're mostly in the industrial era right yeah. so you are getting just some hinge of a thing mm -hmm. and i will just take pictures of those things and be like hey anybody know what this thing is what is this and inevitably somebody will respond and give me like a literature <laughs> like, oh, this is a flintlock from a whatever model of rifle yeah. that was it was like yeah this what? is the this is the, a prison from us from a 1712 you know yeah flintlock rifle and it's uh and and i'll it's just incredible the knowledge that's out there and i and and sometimes those people are not archaeologists they're just nerds who yeah, know stuff like, right yes. you know? <laughs> with yes. special interests and i i love those people because oh yeah when when there when there is a moment they come in clutch and oh my gosh yeah yeah. yeah, nerds, nerds affectionately, right? Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, nerds in the best way. <laughs> yep. mm. Yeah, like just the the way that various social media, like you had said something early on about, you know, like a lot of the more traditional archaeological knowledge is paywalled, you know, mm -hmm. or it's just caught in some kind of a silo or like a, a bubble where only archaeologists are talking about this thing. And, you know, social media does something neat where it breaks it down. It breaks down the paywall. It breaks down all the other barriers so that, you know, some person who's just very interested in this thing and they happen to know a lot about it can chime in. The downside to that is you also get a lot of trolls who are, mm -hmm. you know, like jumping in. So that's where like the moderation question goes in. And I was looking at, um, you know, some of the news about TikTok. Like I, I saw uh, 13 states now uh, are either banning TikTok or planning to ban TikTok from state computers and, and state provided phones. Um, and it's it's over like security concerns, but I have a mm -hmm. feeling it's broader than just security concerns is probably over the democratization of of the information you mm -hmm. know and the fact that so many young people are using it to talk to each other yes. about things lots of things <clears throat> yes yeah yeah that that is and that that's so funny cuz i one of the things i think i was met with fairly early on when I first started using TikTok was, you know, security concerns. Like, you know, I've heard all these things about this app, like it isn't secure. And honestly, if you don't give it access to things, yeah, it's fine. Uh, like, why are you giving it access to your contacts? That's what I want to know. Why are you giving it access <laughs> to financial <laughs> information? Don't do that. Don't yeah. be pay don't, don't be do that to any payment app. methods to it's like this is just common sense stuff but i think at this point people uh and especially people who are younger than us don't have that sort of acquired knowledge that we have gathered as people who grew up not only with the internet but with social media 
the you know how to interact with it so of course people are like oh yeah connecting my debit card connecting you know debit card to tiktok to cash app to venmo to everything give it access to your contacts so you can find your friends it's just like oh my god no no wonder your information is getting stolen because it's all just right there so yeah. you know it's like I, i've turned everything off and the app is still you know very robust and very usable <clears throat> without having access to everything else on my phone except for photos and even then it's like these are all photos that for the most part i've already shared on instagram for the most part so like they're already publicly out there it's you know nothing i'm yeah. trying to keep hidden so it's all about how you how you use it and utilize it but of course the larger conversation happening about it is you know ooh, security concerns and it's owned by a non-U.S. corporation. So what could this mean? Someone's trying to steal your information. Because <laughs> U.S. Man. corporations are so are so trustworthy with our yes. information, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, y'all, you Zoomers, y'all haven't known Mark Zuckerberg for decades like we have, okay? So trust mm -hmm. us. You don't trust these <laughs> Trust us when we say. Don't the trust Augustus these people. haircut, <laughs> don't be trusting it. Don't right. trust these people. Don't give these people your contacts. Don't yeah. give <laughs> Yeah. We, we, we sound so old, I'm sure. <laughs> Back in my day. Back in my day, I didn't I didn't. I had to code Facebook. my own social media. I had to learn uh, HTML. Right. <laughs> MySpace <laughs> Tom taught me HTML. Exactly. Oh my God. Thanks, I had animated. Tom. I had animated GIFs on that live journal. Oh. Oh Back when you had to, yeah, you had to, you you had had to, use to code HTML. in the links to the gym. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Oh my God. So, all right. We are so old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, man. You had to actually, you had to actually listen to your panic at the disco songs to write down the lyrics as you heard them. And yes. sometimes you got them yeah. wrong. Yeah. Because <laughs> the the internet. wouldn't right. always have the lyrics printed in yeah. them because sometimes they do something artistic. And yeah, you could yeah. just Google it. You could just no. Google it. Google yeah, didn't on what, exist. The internet? No. <laughs> Microsoft oh, and Carta didn't have those lyrics in it. We we just hit <laughs> things with rocks back in my day. <laughs> Good lord. Hey, those stone axes are very effective. They will still cut people. We're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not that bad. We've you know, we've just been there since the beginning of the internet and social media, and it feels like it, it it you know the i think the the sentiment right now is the embodiment of the it's been 84 years <laughs> from titanic yep it just that's the feeling at the moment because well the last like five years the last five years has felt like a hundred years you know and, it's been 84 it years yeah so dating but, dating dating and time as a construct i say that regularly on tiktok too because i i regularly get reply guys being like why are you using bc instead of bc it's like man all these dating systems are a construct. We we do not need to open Who this cares? can of whole, can of worms yeah. right now. It's like <laughs> time is a construct. Dating systems are a construct. Calendars are a construct. Like, come on. Wait, wait till I wait, wait till I break your brain and explain how BP is actually before 1950. Ooh. Exactly. So that's not even a usable dating system for me. It's like, listen, I just work with the timeline that makes sense in my brain to keep the things straight. And even then, that's a construct because if you went back in time and asked these people, it's like, oh, it's the fifth year of you know Pharaoh Whoever's reign. Like yeah, exactly. That tells Who me knows? nothing. <laughs> that tells me nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's one last platform. I mean, there's probably many, many more platforms, but there's another platform that I wanted to get both of your thoughts on, which is Twitch. Mm. Oh yeah. Interesting. I, I have not touched that at all. Um, because 
mostly just because I, I don't think I have the technological capabilities to make that happen. Also, when I play, when I play my games, like, no one wants to watch me play World of Warcraft. Are you kidding? Like, I- they all you are so wrong about that. I'm telling you, <laughs> like, you're are wrong. You kidding me? If you you have with the number of TikTok followers you have, you tell them I'm gonna do a Twitch live stream of World of Warcraft. You will have a thousand people in that room. Oh I guarantee God. it. But see, that's the other thing. I don't necessarily want those no, people being... watching me play World. It's like I'm happy no. to have fun, and you know, it's like I, I'm running this all on a MacBook Air, so mm-hmm. it's like I do not have the the setup or the anything to handle that capability and again it's like no one yeah. wants to watch me play that like i'm the most chaotic person i was like i'm just gonna go do my quest or maybe i'm just gonna like run around and go farm things for a minute it's like nah i i have used twitch a little bit not a ton not i don't have a i'm not a regular twitch streamer i don't do streaming and i'm and streaming seems really intense like i it think there's does. real it's yeah i think really involved and really intense i think there's sort of like labor issues there the people who mm-hmm. do twitch streaming it's it's kind of soul crushing if you try and build a community doing that but i've done it when i've i've done it a few times i did a series with um save ancient studies alliance where i played uncharted 4 and we just talked shit about archaeology for hours that was a ton <laughs> of fun and i got to stream and I, I had to teach myself how to use obs and how to do uh-huh. all that and it is it's a very tech heavy thing you do need to learn a little bit and you have to have a, 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 a at least kind of decent computer you don't have to have a good computer but you don't have to have, you have to have a kind of a i had to get a capture card so that i could mm. run it through a playstation because i don't have a oh, pc Lord. yeah, yeah no, it's that is entirely too many steps i need to get a pc that's gonna be when i hit it big when you know when my youtube channel makes uh some money <laughs> which it never will uh that i'll buy myself a pc but the, the, in the meantime <laughs> i've done that uh, and I've done it for the Archeo Gaming Collective, which is another community. And I've done a couple of things for their conference doing streaming. And it's a lot of fun, but it's exhausting. It's, oh my yeah, God. Yeah, like I, yeah. I've heard, heard slash read about like, yeah, people who are essentially professional Twitch streamers now. And I think, oh, I think I, I it, it was for a work thing. I had to read up on, um, what's that guy's name? Ninja? I think that's what it oh, was. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's um, one of the oh, huge ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is he still child, one of the huge ones? He was I, I don't even ago. know, but like, I, I felt so bad for that kid after reading what his day is like. It's like, wakes up six hours of streaming, has maybe like a 30 minute lunch break when he like goes upstairs to like say hello to his wife, has a sandwich and then goes back and then streams for another six hours. And he is consumed with streaming and viewership and you know he can't take time off from streaming because if he does then his viewership drops because people are expecting him to always be there and if the viewership drops then his sponsorship deals drop and it's like i that is not a sustainable lifestyle no no part of that is good and i I mean i i just see little clips here and there on tiktok mostly of i guess from people who are streamers and it, it Mm, no that is not for me that is not the light for me it's interesting to think about twitch though in other because it's because twitch has started to grow outside of just gaming of course mm-hmm. we were talking before about mm-hmm. doing sort of video stuff from the field it almost makes you wonder uh, 
you know, could you run a Twitch stream, which is like just, <laughs> you know, your active field site and people could just like tune in and watch the excavation happen. Not in Albania. Uh. Yeah, yeah, it depends on where you are in the world yeah. for sure. You'd need to have, right? All these things have, we didn't talk about that at all, but the way permissions work and showing people mm -hmm. on video and that's a oh, whole yeah. ethical quagmire in itself. Uh, but, you know, you could imagine that just having- release. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone signs an appearance release, problem solved. Yeah, see, that's that's we'd have to go talk to folks who know what they're talking about that, that kind of stuff. Because I don't know from from that world, which yeah. I don't know anything that's about me. that. That's me, <laughs> exactly. Right, I do that for work all the time. Now, now I know who to text, or now I know yep. how to send a message when I when <laughs> yeah, I have here's a blank appearance that. release. Just sign it. Yeah, because that yeah, it would, you know, you could get you get a camera going and just and just stream your excavation all day, and maybe you have the excavator can go up and just chat to the camera for a little while and explain something that's going on and show off cool artifacts. Yeah, I don't know. Is that an is is that a good idea? Is that a bad idea? Does that democratize archaeology? Does it bring people into it? Does it break down this whole BS? We're all hiding secrets and we're all pretending, you know, that, you know, that all that stuff. And, you know, we talked about relatability before. Again, that's also directly countering Hancock's notion that we're all these ivory tower elitists and we all are just. Yeah, we're all just trying to protect our jobs. And I'm just like, sir. Yeah. What jobs? We're, right. <laughs> what jobs? What right. what paycheck? Show me we'll, where it is and I'll go get it because we'll lose our grant funding. Yeah, or like, whatever. Who who is grant funding? Guy, grant funding. Who's getting funding? <laughs> yeah. What's what's grant funding? Yeah. Which grant? Uh have I yeah. do it yet? Are they still accepting applications? Cause uh yeah. we can get in there. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. It's like tell me you know nothing about archaeology without telling me you know nothing yeah. about archaeology. That's, well, maybe that's, that's the thing. Yeah, maybe that's a question though, is do these tools, things like TikTok, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, do they actually break down that barrier that we're being accused of creating that archaeology is this exclusive club that people can't be in? Does mm -hmm. that help to to uh to put rights to that myth? Um, and say, yeah, no, because of course it's not always going to be the case. Some archaeological sites are sensitive. They have ethical concerns. They have dissent. Totally. Absolutely. You, and you depending need, on what yeah. governments you might be working with, you know, especially yeah. if you make a, you know, a proper discovery, you know, you need to coordinate with the government and the ministry of yeah. culture. If there's going to be an official press release about it, like all of that. Yeah. Sometimes we have to actually deal with the people who do are trying to keep archaeology secret for, yeah, exactly. for very yeah. good reasons. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, don't and, feel damaging the sites. <laughs> Like so I work not, in cultural yeah. resource management and mm -hmm. there are quite a few projects that I have to sign non-disclosure agreements for. Oh yeah. And, yeah, and that's, that's not just uncommon. to protect, you know, the clients. There's a lot of financial liability tied mm -hmm. up in what information can be presented and what photos can even be presented. So, you know, if we sign a non-disclosure about something, you know, we have to make sure that any communication about it stays within the team that is working mm -hmm. on that project and nobody else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah, for sites everywhere, not not just in, you know, more well-known countries with, you know, very old, uh, you know, tangible uh, cultural items like, you know, walls and buildings and stuff like that. The minute you put information of any kind about a an archaeological site out on onto the internet, on television, people are going to go find it. And that immediately opens it up to looting and vandalism and damage of all different kinds. And we want to avoid that. Yep. Mm -hmm. So there is that, there isn't, there isn't, 
inherent tension here between mm -hmm. the ethics, the ethics of our discipline and our desire to protect cultural resources and our desire to be good educators and, and good members of the public. And what is the point of learning about these things? If we can't ever tell anybody about it, uh, there's, there's that, that's a tension we've been feeling as archeologists forever. Uh, yeah. but there's, there's new facets to it in this world that we now find ourselves in where we do have TikTok and YouTube and Instagram and Twitter and on and on. Um, and we are communicating these ways so yeah yeah absolutely absolutely it's a it's an ongoing struggle and an ongoing adventure sort of like navigating <laughs> what is essentially new territory for this entire profession because but you know of course up until incredibly recently the only way of sharing information about an archaeological site was through writing and then eventually yeah. photographs came along and suddenly now there's videos and now there's social media so like it's it is new and uncharted territory, and you can see that there are a lot of uh, growing pains happening. So we're all dealing with it in real time. Yeah, that's a really good point because you know, like us as elder millennials, we when we all got started in uh, like undergrad, uh, and you know, probably even you know towards the end of undergrad, like social media was not a tool you could use for for public archaeology it just wasn't no, even, absolutely not it didn't have that yeah. capability and so the only way to make it out into pop culture or you know popular media was to hope that national geographic would put you in their magazine mm -hmm. and that was that was the best you could hope for for like widely digestible public content and you know, like when I was in undergrad studying archaeology, my relatives would be like, oh, someday you're going to be in National Geographic. And I'd be like, I hope so, you know, and now it's like, I don't know. Probably like, not, but yeah, yeah. probably not. And it's, you I, know, I like, did that. I actually did that. <laughs> I mean, they didn't mention me by name, but I got described. I'm like, that's me. That was me. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> you 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 live you're living the dream. Of, uh, I know, truly living the dream. It's like yeah. this is aunt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you but, two can be generally and vaguely described in National Geographic one day uh, yes. when someone is Woo! talking broadly about a project you were briefly associated with. That's uh, that's the Dream Rocky big. at the top, Dream Rocky at top the steps moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I did it. <laughs> Yo, Adrian. Uh, <laughs> but so, like, one other thing that comes to mind is is just uh, talking about kind of like the the engagement or the reach, you know, to put some data behind it is like this is anecdotal for me alone i have like five uh peer-reviewed publications to my name yeah yeah but i'm quite you know applauding you, for everyone who can't see this <laughs> you can you can track the metrics on them you know like a, a lot of the places will tell you like oh this month they send an automated email it's like this month you saw you know, you had so many readers or whatever. And I'm like, oh, great. Every time I look at it, I'm like, this is really sad. Nobody is looking at this thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then it's like, you know, I look at the stats for the podcast. I'm like, that's great. Then I look at the stats for like Instagram. I'm like, oh, that's great too. And then I look at the stats for like my dog's Instagram. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, more people want to watch these two knuckleheads run around and goof off <laughs> then read anything about archaeology or consume any archaeology content and i'm just like it all goes back to the the idea of like how do we make uh compelling digestible interesting content that's meaningful you know and it's like i i gotta give it to the public you know i it's like a lot of archaeology content that's out there that's not paid well or you know even that is paywalled is it's boring as shit 
it's oh boring God, and it's tedious. So boring. So yeah. boring. Which is why for your next article, you should include photos of your dogs yes. in the article to get eyeballs on it. I've got a stack of these things next to me. We're not going to say what it is on the podcast because this is a, <laughs> an audio format. I've got a stack of these things. These are boring. They're yeah. so oh boring. God. You you mentioned that yet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I have, I had an article come out in that particular uh, publication you just held up a couple of years ago, uh, which is, which was a, a career moment for me, you know, wow, that's, I never thought I'd be able to get an article in that kind of a journal. Wow. I've done it. And yes, I can look at the metrics on it and it has been read by so few people and cited <laughs> by so few people. Yes. And yet I can make a video on YouTube of me sitting in my kitchen talking about radio carbon dating for eight minutes and that thing gets 30,000 views, 30, that like not everything I write in my whole life, every <laughs> will not amount to 30,000 eyeballs. I Look never, at whatever that thing is. Have 30,000 people ever read an article? That, that's a question. No, yeah. never. <laughs> in like all of academia, the history of just academia existing. Have there been 30,000 people who read a single article? There are some people who, who get that kind of recognition in the academic circles, but it, it ain't going to be me. And, mm. uh, and that, and it, and it, so it does, it, it really makes either. you, it really makes you think, it really does make you think like what, it's not to say that we shouldn't do academic publishing. That's not, I don't right. think our message here. Right. Right. Because right. we can't do the public archeology span if there isn't the, uh, that archeology span behind it. Right. There's nothing right. to, yes. yeah. You know, the, the trick is, taking that that academic information and translating it and then distilling it so that is it is information that the average person member of the general public can understand if they are interested in that topic and i think that's the thing that's the step that's missing in all of it is that you know so much of the information and the the things that we learn or talk about or discover or whatever as archaeologists just end up in article form academic article form and they're like okay we're done yay and yeah. then people get mad when a totally unrelated journalist tries to take that information that press release or whatever and talk about it in a uh, layperson's terms and then they get it wrong and suddenly everyone's upset it's like well you guys nobody was communicating with each other about how how to properly translate this information from academic into plain english and that uh fundamental and ongoing lack of communication between the two worlds continues to cause so many problems. Yep. Totally yep. agree. Yep. Yeah. And so like not everybody has to be a YouTube or a TikTok sensation oh, no. No, like no. the two of you are. But <laughs> you know, if they are publishing in in the little black book, uh, you know, they they need to connect with people like you who are creating compelling content and, you know, putting in that work to make it public facing, but make it accurate, too. Yeah. You know? And re really, at the end of the day, the and, you know, I say this at work all the time when I'm working on shows that deal with a lot of uh, historical information it is figuring out the way to translate all of that into what does this mean and why should people care? Yeah. That's really all it is at the end of the day. And, you know, it might take a couple of sentences to do that, but it it can be done and it should be done because, yeah, at the end of the day, anybody looking at, you know, even anything on TV, it's like to get someone to watch a documentary, for example, it's like, what does this all mean and why should they care? 
Yes. Um, before we run out of time, where can people find your content? Annalise, you want to start off with that one? Sure. Um, so I guess the most content that I have that is relevant to people who like to consume content is on TikTok. And I am Annalise the Archaeologist there. Um, and on pretty much every other platform, Twitter until it dies and Instagram, I'm just me. It's my name, Annalise Bear. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where I am. Bill, how about you? Uh, the, yeah, the main place to get the stuff I'm making is on YouTube and uh, I'm at YouTube dot com slash at archaeology tube uh and uh and then uh, i also do a bunch of stuff on the old twitters before before it collapses and i'm at archaeology game there and so but you can find me at archaeology tube on most places i also have a tiktok and facebook and instagram although those are not my main places so find me on youtube if you want to see the stuff i'm making probably nice and i'll have links to all of this in the show notes so Anybody listening to this on an audio platform can just pull up the notes on whatever the player is, and there should be a link that you can click uh, next to all of these social medias that have been discussed, and you can follow Annalise and Bill and support them and enjoy their content because it's really, it's it's cool. I, I really enjoy both of your content, like on, on YouTube and TikTok. Uh, now that I'm finally on TikTok, um, yeah. And I just, I, I mostly consume content on YouTube. I do have some bike videos on there, but like that's, it should be its own thing. That's what I've done with TikTok though, is, is I've, I finally split the bike content away from the archeology span content. And so, so you have a dedicated bike yep. account and a dedicated archeology span account. Yep. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I think in I'm my... following both of you. I will double check because again, it's like, I, I'm I'm tired. I'm old. Uh, <laughs> I, follow, I don't know who I, I, I'm following and who I'm not at this point. I'm following you on TikTok and Twitter. I think at least. Okay. Yeah. I, I know we're I know we're following each other on Twitter. Yeah. That's 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 one place. I'm gonna double yeah. check though. If you're not following me on Twitter, I'm gonna send you angry DMs until you follow <laughs> me. Oh no, I can't because you're not following me. Then you uh -huh. then, then <laughs> it goes into the message request. Yeah. Wait, can you send yeah. the DMs now? Isn't that? Oh funny? yeah. Or did it goes into yeah. I'll pay $8 so that I can say you should follow me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No way. Don't pay $8 for Twitter. That's today's theme. I do yeah. not pay. Moral do not pay $8 for Twitter. The world's richest man does not need your $8. He needs no. to be cyber bullied like... into a tiny little corn cob yes. and just disappear. Exactly. Just into the sea. Into I the do. Sea. I love that that corn cob drill tweet, man. That's the that's the it's whole so story. It's, mm. it, it foresaw the whole future with that tweet. <laughs> yeah, I'm not owned. I'm not owned. <laughs> so good. It's oh, but the I will say the one takeaway from all of this has been that the the quality of memes over the last month has been unmatched. I have saved so many things and off I the charts. So <laughs> good. Off the charts. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if this that, is if the if the if the old Tumblr veterans are looking at us and going, they're experienced. They know we know what you've been through. You, is this like the Tumblr collapse? Is it similar? Uh, so I wasn't <laughs> there for the the height of the collapse, but uh, yeah, it's similar similar times, and just sort of looking at it as the the grizzled old veteran on the battlefield, just being like, ah, uh, yes, first here we go time, again. Yeah, 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 first, first time. time. <laughs> 
Speaking of me, on the gallows. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, I love that so much. Well, thank you both so much. I really appreciate you joining and hope to have you again anytime you want to chat. Anytime, anytime. About yeah. Literally anything. It's been fun. Yes. Absolutely. All right. All righty. Y'all have a good night. I'll see you. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye.